we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. said it to you personally, let me say it again now. Um, good morning and welcome to worship. If you are brand new with us, uh, we are just thrilled that you have chosen to worship in this place um, with this church family. We would love to have a record of your time with us. Let us please let us know that you're with us. You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash connect, just right on your uh, device. Um, but please let us know that you're here so that we can make contact with you um, at a later time. Um, last week, um, we were reminded that God is for us and not against us. You remember uh, Gideon had those two tests. He kept on pressing the Lord for assurance and confirmation um, and God, in his graciousness and patience with Gideon, um, uh, answered those tests, said, okay, I'll do what you ask me to do. And that's just a really good reminder that we need to hear is that God is for you, not against you. He wants to nudge us along in our journey of faith, wherever you are. We're all in different places in this journey of faith and greater faith in God in this life in which we live, and he is for you. He wants your faith to grow and not shrink. Um, last week, we also concluded with um, a challenge uh, for you to live out gospel hospitality in your, through your own homes and your own neighborhoods and communities. And uh, we handed out some books. Every family and individual were hopefully able to get a copy of at least one of those books. And, and um, hopefully you've heard a challenge that I've sent out this week. For those of you um, many of you actually stood up and made a commitment saying, listen, we, wanna, we want this to be a greater reality in our life, that we're on mission, that we are living out God's purposes, even our own homes. And many of you picked this up. And um, I would love to challenge, extend that challenge a little further. You, hopefully you've seen me say it online. But if there's any one of you that stood up last week and said, we're ready to take that next step, which of you would be open uh, to hosting a small group study in your home, more like an action group? over the next few weeks, your own schedule, your own timetable, um, but I would love for us to begin putting this into practice, so give that some thought. Um, let me know if you're available to do that. Um, Byron also has a whole list of opportunities for community missions that I failed to mention last week, but you can sign up for those as well as you uh, go home today. Well, let's stand together, and we're going to read uh, Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Let's read this together. So Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves 
by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may lead this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. Okay, let me, can we put those back up through verse 8? We're almost there. All right, let's do verse 7 here. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told them, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. Then the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. You have something to say to us. So help us to listen and help us to obey. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. And so God does this very peculiar thing. Now we know the Midianite shrinked uh, 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 the, the Israelite army. The Midianite army was vast in number um, and really made the Israelite army look incredibly small because they were small, but the Lord did a very peculiar thing. Rather than saying, we need to add to the 32,000 in the face of this incredible behemoth of an army, he says, we need to shrink you down to size. We need to send some fighting men home. So God goes about whittling the 32,000 fighting force down to size. So he makes two cuts. We're familiar with this story. First, he sends home all those who are afraid and really lack the courage to take those next steps. He says, I'm giving you a pass. Go home. And so 22,000 head home. And at the second cut, he says, I'm going to test the remaining men based upon how they drink water from a spring. And for those that kneel down and put their mouth to the spring, who lap it up like a dog, I'm going to send those home. And those who kneel down and cup it and drink it from their hand, I'm going to allow to stay. Those are the men that I want. And that dwindles this army that began as 32,000 to 300 men. Isn't that crazy? From 32,000 to 300 men. Now, um, some, some have thought that in reading this text, that somehow God has this military strategy that he's whittling down this inexperienced group of men into an elite fighting force in order for him to use these 300 men to enact a strategy that he already has in mind. This is the purpose that... There, I mean, he got rid of the, the, those who lacked courage, and somehow there's some strategy. He wanted the men who were on their knees, cuffed with water, that they were more attentive. Those are the men that he wanted. Um, 
But the reality is, with the remaining 300, although maybe they were more courageous, these men were no more prepared to fight the Midianite hordes than the previous 31,700 men. Uh, The aim of God's cutting these men down to size was not some strategic thinking on the Lord's part. That was not his main aim here. Uh, God was not creating an elite fighting force, especially when you consider just how big the Midianite army was. The main reason we know that to be true is because victory was already certain in the heart and mind of God. If you go to verse 7, Judges verse 7, um, it says this, The Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. So send all the others home. You see, in the mind and heart of God... Victory was already sure, it was already certain, and we can imagine what was going through Gideon's mind, right? Lord, are you kidding? I mean, he's looking at the numbers, he's looking at the numbers, and he's saying, Lord, it just doesn't add up. There's just, there is just no way that you can use 300 men and defeat a horde the size of the Midianite army. I, we all can imagine the kind of stress and anxiety that this opposing force, the enemy, that was giving to Gideon, right? That there is just no way. It's insurmountable. The, the odds are too great. That's probably what was going on in the heart and mind of God, although at this point, Gideon has already tested the Lord enough. He has enough faith to, to begin to think, but maybe God is up to something can do something. But we have to know that Gideon was stressed out. This seems impossible, Lord. What are you doing? I don't see how you're going to pull this off. Maybe we should all just run back to the the caves and the fortresses that we were hiding in to begin with. Maybe that's what we ought to do. But not in the heart and mind of God. Not in the heart and the mind of God. God was doing something very peculiar and striking here. This was, this was not a case of God miraculously using what Gideon had. In other words, multiplying the 32,000 like Jesus did with the loaves and fishes. That was not what was happening here. This was God stripping every humanly fighting chance away. By the numbers, it appeared that there absolutely was no way. But again, not in the heart and mind of God. In the heart and mind of God, victory was as certain as the sunrise. There was no question as to the outcome of this battle. Victory was certain. Deliverance was sure. You remember what he told Gideon in chapter 6, verse 16? He says, I'm going to send you to battle against the Midianites, mighty warrior. Remember that? He says, and it's going to be as if you're fighting one man. And now Gideon is staring at an army close to 100,000 men potentially, And maybe he's remembering those words. You see, in the heart and mind of God, there is no army or opposition or an enemy too great in the mind of God. Victory is sure. Later on, one of the prophets would write in Isaiah 41, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, so do not fear, for I am with you. I am I am your God. 
Psalm 121.1, if I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. The Lord's strong and mighty, and this is absolutely certain and true that the Midianites looked infinitesimally small in the heart and mind of God. There is no army in opposition too great for the Lord. There's no obstacle too great for the Lord. In the hand of God, the size of Gideon's army never really mattered to begin with. Whether they had 100,000 or one, the outcome would have been the same. You know, sometimes we measure God's faithfulness by the resources he gives us. Uh, We think sometimes if God were just more faithful to us, uh, then we would have the means of our own to do battle against the enemies that we face or the opposition that's ahead of us. And the reality is sometimes we're just consumed by the enemy too, aren't we? Uh, That we just live in stress and anxiety. Sometimes and oftentimes, as is in the case of the Israelites, it's of our own making. It's of our own sin. And we look at this sin and this idolatry in our own life, and it's led us into oppression. We say, there is no way I can overcome what I have put myself into. And the Lord says, victory is sure, Christian. Deliverance is certain. Not because you have the ability to pull up your bootstraps and do everything on your own, but because of the reality that I am with you. And as followers of Jesus, we know that Jesus has already overcome the world. Listen, Christian, it doesn't matter the obstacles that you face in this life. Victory is yours. It is certain. It is sure. It doesn't matter what you're facing. From cancer to suffering, you just fill in the blank. Victory is sure for you in Jesus. In the life to come, we hold on to his promises. But that's not the greatest need that is expressed in this passage. That's not the greatest need that the Israelites had as they faced these opposing forces. Their greatest need was not deliverance. In fact, the whole point and heart of this passage is not to paint or characterize this this incredible need of deliverance, but to highlight the other need that they were desperate to attain in Israel. And so let's go to the heart of the passage. This is Judges chapter 7, verse 2. We've already read it. The Lord says to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you all fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. If I let you all fight, you're going to boast in yourself, your own strength. You know, you remember the Israelites had adopted a way of life that looked much like their godless neighbors. At their best, they had claimed to know God, but really failed to acknowledge God in their life and all of life. And at their worst, they had forgotten about God altogether and and had erected idols and altars in their life that gave allegiance to other gods, mainly themselves. That's the way life that they had adopted. They had just forgotten the Lord. It reminds me of Romans chapter 1 where it says, 
Uh, they did not honor God or give him thanks, but they worshiped the creature over creator. That's, that's Paul writing about the whole human race and our condition. We walked away from acknowledging the Lord and put ourselves front and center. We exalt ourselves. We boast in ourselves before the Lord. Proverbs 3.6 wrote this, Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Seek his will in all you do. Isaiah 44, 23. Listen to this beautiful passage from the prophet as he was prophesying what God would do through uh, his work in Israel. He says, sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done this wondrous thing, this deliverance. Shout for joy, O depths of the earth. Break into song, O mountains and forests and every tree. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and is glorified in Israel. That's the very opposite of what likely the Israelites would have done if they had maintained their 32,000 and somehow obtained victory over the Midianites. They would have sought their own glory. They would have glorified themselves. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to whittle you down to size. I'm going to put you in the face of insurmountable odds because I know you're going to be tempted to exalt yourself over me. But your greatest need is to boast in me alone, is to know me to be glorified in me, that in your victory, people will see the greatness of your God. That's your greatest need. And so God exposes Israel's greatest need. Their their greatest need was not deliverance from the Midianites, although that was certain. Their greatest need was to know and to acknowledge God, to boast in him alone. That was the heart of the greatest need. It's really profound, isn't it? I mean, it's really striking that that's what God says, that that's what they need most. More than deliverance, more than getting out from underneath this oppression, my people need to know me that I am. Their greatest need was for the reality of a glorious God to explode into view and to completely destroy the worldview by which they have been living, to replace it with something brand new. You remember when God introduced himself to Moses and Moses said, when I go back to the people, and they ask, who told you all of these things? What did, what did God say to call himself? What did he say? Say it again. I am. He said, Moses, I want you to go back and tell them that I am the greatest reality and greatest truth in all of the universe for all time, before time even began and well beyond it ends, that I am present and I am God. I am. I am the lens that you should perceive all of life through to acknowledge me in all of your ways. The writer of Hebrews wrote this, Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God is, that he exists, 
and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's what the Israelites needed. They needed to boast in God alone again. They needed to see the world through that lens. His ways, his truth, the greatest reality. Do you need the reality of God to explode into view in your life? Do you need to acknowledge him in all of your ways? To boast in his goodness, to boast in his love and his provision and his promise again. Do you need that? Remember the psalmist wrote, be still and know that I am God. Do you need that? I do. Our failure to acknowledge God in all of life or or to boast in him alone and what he's done for us through Jesus is like not breathing. Uh, Breathing is the most natural and needed thing in our body. It's so natural and so needed. God designed our body and our organs in connection with our brain that we don't even have to think about it. We just breathe. We just breathe. Have you ever tried to hold your breath? And you know, some of you can do it for 30 seconds, some for you for five minutes, but at the end of that 30 seconds or five minutes, you're like, because <gasps> you're desperate for it. You're wired for it. You can't function without that just natural work of bringing air and oxygen to your lungs so it can disperse that O2 in all of your body and your body can process that energy chain. Y'all know your biology, right? Breathe. Breathe. It's pretty ironic we're still in the midst of a global pandemic when, when the virus takes its full course, what does it do? It robs someone of the ability to Breathe. That's where Israel was. So riddled with idolatry and sin and rejection of God, they could barely breathe. They were choking on their own self-exaltation, boasting in themselves or boasting in some other meaningless God. They needed to breathe again to do the most natural and wonderful and truthful thing, to bring God back to center, to know that he is and to acknowledge him in all of their ways. Do we? Do you? Some of you might not be aware of it, but you need to breathe again. And maybe in this very moment, because I've simply asked the question, do I acknowledge God in my life? Are there just a few moments here and there that I acknowledge the Lord or do I acknowledge him in all of life and he will make my path straight? Do we need to breathe again? Listen, I don't know about you, but I really don't need help in remembering that I have a busy schedule. I don't need help at all with that. 
I don't need help to know that bills are coming and bills are due. I don't need to know and be reminded that the budget is tight. I don't need to be reminded that work is hectic, there's a lot going on. I certainly don't need reminding that the world is broken and divided more than ever. I don't need to be reminded that there's an ideology and philosophy that is completely opposed to the Lord. I don't need to be reminded of how ugly the world looks. I don't need to be reminded about the temptations I face. My sin is always before me. I know the reality of the things that I struggle with. I don't need to be reminded of my own deficiencies and weaknesses. I know them. I experience them. You know yours too. It's not what I need. I need the reality that God is to explode into my life. To quit gasping and choking on my own idolatry. Do you need to breathe again? You know, this is why we pray at every meal uh, that we build in a reminder that God is, that he is our provider in even the smallest of things. It's why we develop rhythms of listening to God in his word that he's provided for us because I need reminding that God is and he has a a way about him and a life for us to live and promises to claim. I need reminding about those things. It's why we set aside time to retell the stories of God to our children and and read scripture with one another because I need reminding of those things and my family needs reminding of those things. It's why I download devotional apps that I can listen to in the car. It's why I listen to music that's Jesus drenched in its lyrics because, listen, I don't need reminding about who's in love with who and broken hearts. I am desperate to be reminded that God is. Are you? Are you? Paul wrote to the Romans. Listen to this. Listen to these powerful words from Paul as he wraps up this section on how we are made right with Jesus. This is verse 11, 36. For everything comes from Jesus. For everything comes from Jesus and exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Jesus is. There is no greater reality than Christ. And what did Paul say when he was struggling with the Galatians who were were being tempted to exalt their own works? Remember? circumcision and the law, they were, they were tempted to make much of themselves and, and, and just begin to prop up their own idols and look at and claim their own glory. God, look what I have done. And what does Paul say in response to that? He says, may I never boast in anything. May I never boast in anything except Christ crucified. Do you need to breathe again? Do you need to be reminded that God is? Some are you are facing insurmountable odds in your life. 
Some of you are looking at some of those painful and difficult things that have ever happened to you in your life. Do you feel like you've been whittled down to size? Do you feel like there simply is no way? Can I remind you today to take breath? To be still and to know that he is God. Perhaps God has whittled down the resources in your life against the thing that you are facing for that one singular greater need in your life. To know that he is. To acknowledge him in all of your ways. To yield to the goodness and bigness and presence of God. For victory is sure. Deliverance is certain. But do you need to know that he is once again? Let's pray. Father, you know where we all are in our journey of faith. Every single person in this room, you know the obstacles we face. You also know our greatest need. You know our greatest need. And so, Lord, I ask that by the power of your spirit for every single one uh, of us in this room, that you would explode into our view. That your reality would consume our broken reality. That we would see you for who you are. That you are glorious and holy. And that you are a present help in our time of need. That you are present. And that we have only to look to you, to acknowledge you, to desire you, to seek you, Lord. And, and forgive us that we have failed in all of those things. That we have simply gone our own way. And we have led, it has led to a path of destruction, a way to, wake of destruction on our path. Lord, we, we ask for your forgiveness. That we have exalted ourselves when what we need most is to glorify you. That's what the Israelites needed. And Lord, we acknowledge that's what we need most. So lead us to repentance today. Uh, lead us to new life and new breath. Help us to pause and breathe today in brand new ways. Lord, and help us to establish rhythms in our life because we're desperate for it, just to remind us all the time you are. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.